Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Sobriety Unleashed podcast with me, Simon. And me, Ellen. And today we are talking about coming out as sober. Um, and Simon, I know we've got quite different stories on this from where our stories. So first of all, tell us your story on coming out as sober. What did you do? First of all, I just love the fact that we refer to it as coming out. It's I, just, <laughs> I often wonder if that's like a slightly offensive thing, but it does feel like you're coming out um, as somebody completely different, doesn't it? When you, you come out as sober because people know you as a drinker and thinking of you as a different person is it's uncomfortable. Sometimes yeah. you're, you're quite afraid. That's one fear that keeps a lot of people stuck of what will people think of me when I come out as sober? Totally. Yeah. And my my experience was. I suppose, reflective of my personality and my ADHD nature, where I just thought, I'm doing this, I'm going to tell everybody. And that was what I did within a couple of weeks of quitting drinking. I'd put it all over my personal social media accounts, told everybody that I'd discovered this amazing new life and I was never going to drink again. And it was really well received. There were a few people who were kind of scratching their heads, wondering why would you give up alcohol? I just don't understand. But in the main, most people were really supportive. But in hindsight, I, I, I actually wouldn't recommend someone who's quit drinking to go putting it out there into the world like that at such an early stage, because I could have ended up having a setback and making a bit of a fool of myself well, and that, feeling yeah, quite deflated. that's what I was going to ask. Did you have any setbacks after that date or were you like, this is it, I'm giving up and you gave up and, and you were fine? No, that was the thing. I didn't have any setbacks, but I'd had a whole bunch of them in the run up. Lots of false starts, lots mm-hmm. of over and over day ones, never make, even making it to day two. So in that respect, it's actually quite interesting that that additional positive kind of pressure yeah. I think it actually helped me and it worked for me because I wonder did you stay accountable then did you feel more accountable because you'd come out and told everybody that this is what you were doing yeah exactly and I also felt quite felt kind of rebellious I like going against what society tells us to do and I felt quite proud that oh, I'm being different here this is what yeah. not everyone does this thing and that that made me feel quite good and helped help me with my own sort of momentum and did you like come out to all family, friends and strangers? Was it like the thing in the, you know, restaurants or meeting people like, oh, I don't drink. Oh, everybody. <laughs> I was in the local supermarket a few weeks after I'd quit. And there was a lady stood next to me and looking at the alcohol free drinks. So that there I was proudly looking at, you know, am I going to get Heineken Zero or Bex Blue? And she was looking too. And I said, oh, are you sober too? And she sort of looked at me with a bit of a sneer and said, no, I'm having a barbecue and I need to get some alcohol free drinks. <laughs> <laughs> and off she went and just she telling probably, everybody <laughs> yeah she probably thought I was some kind of nutter but yeah she wasn't wrong um, yeah, yeah. How, how, so what about you how, how what did coming out look like for you okay so mine's a bit different because I'm like in my bubble in France and not with my family and friends that know me as a drinker obviously there was my husband and my mum who lived with us and and even to me I didn't come out as sober to me for a long time I just gave up for 30 days And I had, like you, I had lots of false starts. I didn't even know that sobriety was my goal. I just was like, right, again, another 30 days of no drinking to lose weight, to to feel better about myself. And I kept on thinking it was about diet. I didn't think it, I didn't pinpoint it to alcohol. Um, And so it was, well, I'm not drinking for these 30 days, which was fine. And then I was, well, 
if I want to treat myself right, it would be not to drink alcohol because I'd seen all the benefits of sleeping better. My skin looked better. I had lost loads of weight. I had more focus, all those benefits. So I just continued it. And my mum and my husband didn't really know what to make of it because I just kept on turning down alcohol. And they were drinking at that time. We were drinking every night and it was, do you want to drink? No, thanks. I'm just going to see where this takes me. And it was about five months. And really, it was probably you that had I'd seen your um, Be Sober group. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't come out on Facebook to anybody or I haven't had any visitors over. So I hadn't had to explain myself to anybody. Um, then I started going to like parties. And actually, the first time I really came out as such was going to a first birthday party. And the host said to me, what would you like to drink? And I was like, oh, I, I don't drink alcohol. So any, any went, well, you can get your own drink then. Um, and that was my first kind of interaction with people that I didn't know. Um, and then I found loads of people at the party that were interested in it. Oh, why aren't you drinking? We've noticed the change in you. And then I kind of came out after about nine months on uh, Facebook of like, I found this life changing thing and it's amazing and everybody should try it. And I know some of you will be horrified. And actually, it was my old drinking buddies that kind of got in touch. I'm like, that's amazing. They were the ones I thought would be horrified, but they were so, so supportive. Um, and then, yeah, just as time's gone on, I'm I'm sober and proud. And if people are like, why don't you drink? I'm like, why would I drink? I I, I love the person I've become um, from, through not drinking alcohol. Yeah, and you've just touched on something for me, actually, there as well. What, that was exactly my experience. After I had shared this, I had people messaging me who I hadn't heard from in years yeah. said oh, how did you do it I'm worried about my drinking and of course that continues to this day yeah. people get obviously that's what our work is now but um, it was it was unbelievable how many people felt sort of touched by sharing something quite personal um, yeah. out in the big wide world yeah and I think um, when it comes to not drinking a lot of it you don't even have to discuss with people people will start to see the change in you and then they'll be like what's happened why have you like how have you done this and then when you can open up to people I've got several friends who I knew as drinking buddies who since given up alcohol just because they've seen the change in me and they're like we want some of that like magical elixir that you're having, which yeah. is actually like, I'm not touching it. That's the whole magic about it, um, which is great. But you do get some people who aren't so keen on it. Yeah. And I think the other thing to, to say is that, you know, anyone watching, we're doing this live on YouTube again. Um, and we'll get to some of the comments in a second, is that you don't owe it to anybody to have to tell them it needs to be done at a time that feels right for you yeah. there's no pressure to come out on you know two days after you've quit drinking or two years after you quit drinking you no. don't owe it to anybody and when people ask you do you drink no is a complete sentence you don't need any explanation after that you tend to get a feel for people as to how much you want to share with them you get a feel whether people are going to be like uh, they're going to be combative about it or whether they're just interested because quite possibly they're like, huh, my drinking probably should, you know, I should curb it. Or people are like, that's amazing. Fantastic. Tell me how you do it. And when you, you can read that energy and you can decide how much to share. Yeah. And I, I think it starts for most of the people that I do coaching with and in our groups, it starts with 
kind of I don't want to use the term excuse but I'm going to use it but kind of having a reason or Mm -hmm. making an excuse so like I'm not drinking I'm on a health kick or I'm taking 30 days off or I don't know I'm I'm not drinking right now Um, and like that is always no I'm not drinking right now I'm driving um you can always come up with some kind of reason why you're not drinking right now the only thing I think with that is people love to find a solution for you like oh I'm not drinking tonight because I'm getting up early in the morning oh what are you doing I'll give you a hand and then you have to like go actually I just don't want to drink um but it takes a little bit of time to build the confidence to say that you're, you're not drinking yeah, exactly. And I remember William Porter, who wrote Alcohol Explained, shared with me how his strategy early on in his journey was to say to people when they asked him, you know, if he wanted an alcoholic drink or why didn't he have one, he just says, I don't drink. And then he changed the subject. What yeah. a lovely house you've got, you know, yeah. just moved on to something. Well, people else. love talking about themselves, don't they? So when you talk, like, you can completely change the subject. And we had Melissa Urban on, um, Melissa Hartwig, and she used the same kind of um, the green, amber, red. Um, system for talking to people you can get a feel for people of oh you'd like to share a bit more of your story if somebody insists on you having a drink you can kind of cut them off and say oh look you know it's been nice to see you tell me a bit about yourself and red is like no i don't drink thanks and really cut the the conversation dead yeah completely dead exactly um so carolyn said it took me nine months to come out i could have grown a human in that time (laughs) Well, you kind of did. You grew a whole new you in that nine months. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, and someone actually said, Carolyn, I think during that nine months, you did grow a human. You, exactly what you just said. That's very (laughs) true. If anyone else wants to share their comments while we're live on YouTube, tell us about your experience of coming out or if you haven't or if you've got fears around it, absolutely post that. What what other tips would you give somebody who's perhaps really worried about this? Like, for example, they might have they might work somewhere where you know once a month it's friday drinks at the pub and they don't want to feel left out from their colleagues and they're worried they'll become sort of like this black sheep yeah what would you say to that difficult well for a start alcohol-free drinks with my friend when i started to realize it it sounds so stupid because again i realized it was peer pressure but when that person said to me well you can get your own drink then i thought you know what next time i'm coming armed with alcohol-free drinks so other people feel comfortable that I have a drink in my hand that looks alcoholic and um, they became my real friends but also if you are like um wanting to see these people but maybe not in that situation offer them an alternative I'd love to see you but how about we do coffee instead or I'd love to see you how about we go for a walk instead something where the connection is real still but it's in an alcohol-free setting yeah, that's a really good answer, actually. And I think, you know, just even in the wider context, as well as coming out, just think, you know, that kind of self-care plan, you know, is it doing yourself any good if you're putting yourself in an environment where there's booze flowing, yeah. it's potentially triggering, you might get caught off guard, it, it's dangerous. And yeah. I know so many people who've sort of tripped themselves up by peer pressure putting themselves in that environment and i think the other thing to consider as well is the reason why we worry about coming out as sober and i think that's linked to the the perceived stigma of living an alcohol-free life and a worry of what other people think of us and yeah. how important is that yeah especially with work colleagues it seems and I, it's 
personally, that was never something that crossed my mind because as far as I was concerned, I was never a a problem drinker. But I know that anybody that's kind of coming out feels that there is a real stigma attached, especially to the word sober. Yeah. Um, which I hate the word sober because it, it, when you look it up, it means that like, you know, grey and sombre. Well, actually, it's the exact opposite of that. Um, but yes, people immediately have kind of like thoughts of, oh, okay, well, this person had a drink problem, and does that make them like unreliable? Does that make them not trustworthy? Like, it doesn't matter. You can say, I'm, I'm doing this because it makes me feel like crap. Uh, alcohol I don't want to drink I don't want to feel like crap who's going to say to you oh come on do something that makes you feel like crap yeah exactly it just doesn't it's, make sense I, I was um, somewhere the other day and there was perhaps a group of about 20 people and there was like a buffet and there was some drink being served and somebody said to me oh you won't want this you're an alcoholic aren't you and I found that like quite insulting and my answer to it is always no I used to be an alcoholic I don't drink anymore and I I still believe like how can you be an alcoholic if you're not drinking alcohol it doesn't make sense to me yeah um which kind of shut the conversation down but you you do and I I don't think it was said with any sort of malice it was more just a kind of ignorance around that that term can be a bit offensive I suppose but yeah Yeah. you're you're right that that happens and I think we need to expect on our own journeys some people who just don't get it they might say things that can come across as a bit offensive or rude um, but cutting them a bit of slack because generally they just they don't get it no and I'm sure you yeah along with that comment I'm sure you've had lots of other ignorant comments I've had I had one and somebody offering me a glass of wine and I'd gone around to collect a fridge from her and at about half three in the afternoon and her saying can I get you a drink and I was, no thanks would you like a gin and tonic no thanks would you like like a glass of wine and I no thanks and she kept on offering and in the end I said actually I don't drink and she, her reaction was oh how boring and I was like mm, no I'm good actually I really enjoy not drinking I don't feel deprived at all but it does catch you off guard so being prepared for how you're going to answer that um an answer back is a good thing yeah you've got to give it some thought before you take it into the big wide world unlike me and know (laughs) that some people may feel like they're being a bit judged or a light's being shone on their own drinking behavior they might think oh well you think you're better than me because you don't drink that's obviously not the case but you you do get that on occasion yeah and i think it's quite a common thing isn't it and then But for every person that's like that, you get more people who are just interested in your journey and say, oh, I really should think about my own drinking. And that's when it's really nice to open up and say, well, maybe, yeah, just try taking a break. Alcohol is always going to be there. But as soon as you take a break, you see the benefits of sobriety. And it's nice to then speak to people who are interested about it, isn't it? Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Slightly off topic, but Natalie is said, how about living alone, trying to keep off drinking? I do well for a month or so, and then I fail. And I've tried everything, like going for a walk and whatever you know all the tips and suggestions what what can I do she said it's a nightmare um connection is everything isn't it especially living alone I don't know about you but I deal with lots of people that drink out of loneliness actually especially during the pandemic that was a huge thing um the zoom groups that you and I both host uh there's such a big sober community out there and connecting with like-minded people is is key to sobriety I think yeah one of the things that I've noticed around drinking 
people who drink on their own, which actually was something that I would I would love that opportunity. You know, if, if my wife went out of the house, nothing better than sitting there with a wine box and just being isolated. And I always invite people to look at the the feeling that's coming up, because very often if you sort of remove alcohol out of the equation and think, okay, so at the moment I've got an urge to be isolated, to be alone. And actually then alcohol is kind of taking the edge off and make sort of either amplifying or minimizing the feeling. It depends on whether you want to be isolated or or whether you've got a feeling that you are isolated. But actually then I think when you realize that you're using alcohol to kind of either numb, numb a particular feeling or enhance a particular feeling, then you can start getting to grips of uh, as to how you're using alcohol to meet certain emotional yes. needs and like yeah. ellen said the opposite of addiction is connection and generally you know when you've got that urge to isolate yourself it's generally kind of an, an unhealthy behavior and a behavior that's going to have negative consequences and the opposite of it is is indeed getting out and connecting uh, but i would recommend as ellen said you know joining sobriety groups coming on to calls like this and listening to our podcast getting involved feeling like you're part of something greater than yourself this big amazing alcohol free movement and yeah. um, and just keep learning you know it doesn't happen first time for everybody just keep on that journey Absolutely. And I think that's the difference between short stints of sobriety and long term sobriety. It was one of the reasons I went into coaching was I knew I wanted this lifestyle, but I wanted to come out as sober on a bigger platform because I wanted to be accountable to people. And I I explained this to the group on Saturday, but everyone kind of saying, oh, you know, thank you for hosting the group. That keeps me accountable as well. I have people there that I am connecting with. And, you know, that I'm going through a really hard time at the moment. And the the urge to isolate is real. The urge to stay in bed, put the covers over my head and not get up out of bed. It's real. But when I've made a commitment to people that I will meet them on a Saturday, I host a few different groups, then I get my ass out of bed and I meet them. And I invariably, I always, always end up feeling much, much better. Energy is higher. They keep me like grounded and I'm going just as much as I keep other people going. And it's interesting, actually, because Natalie said, yeah, I've tried everything, going for a walk, et cetera, the lot. Yeah. And actually going for a walk is generally a solo activity. So, Natalie, I, I would it'd be good to know, like, what group activities do you do? You know, is there like a Zumba class you could join yeah, or something where you're going to yeah, meet have new a good people? giggle? Yeah. Um, and there tends to be some really good communities. I did the indoor climbing, the, the Zumba, uh, yoga. The, and if it's something that is creative or playing cards, there's loads and loads of different groups um, of people. Go and find your, your community. It, nowadays, there are so many people. I think I read a statistic that 90% of people live in um, households with under two people in, and that has flipped. It used to be the wow. other way. And so we are isolated, and especially after the pandemic. And it for our mental health, it does us no good. We need to go and find our communities with things like the lack of um, kind of religion, churches, there used to be that community and now they're just diminishing by the minute. So go find a group. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, it's and it's really important to, to experiment and find the things that bring you joy and light you up where you, you do. You, I mean, I've got some things that I do. Like I've got my fitness class I go to. I've got a really nice community group near me. You know, and every time I go to those things, no matter what anxieties I, I take into it, I find that 
but it sort of washes them away when I come out. And in fact, the opposite, putting yourself out of your outside your comfort zone, it gives you a proper dopamine hit, doesn't it? Yeah, like going it in, feeling anxious about something and then connecting with people. And even if you don't like that thing, that's progress. Go and try it. You don't know until you try it. Okay, I didn't like that. That's not for me. I'll move on and I'll find something else and another group that um, that I do enjoy. Yeah, until you find the one that feels like this. It's like Cinderella trying on the slipper. It is. That's what it is. <laughs> Natalie, you're Cinderella. Go get, get <laughs> in that shoe slipper. shop. <laughs> a few more comments. So Rachel said, I'm back in the fold. I just discovered the podcast last week and I really enjoyed it. Um, Jake said he joined the Be Sober program on Monday. Your videos have been a game changer. Thank you for that. My sleep has been awful, but it improved last night. My biggest challenge is the weekend. Uh, yeah well always but just think how good you're going to feel after your first weekend you know it's going to be difficult but the feeling of getting that first weekend under your belt there's nothing like it yeah the big thing that helped me I remember the first weekend that I didn't drink I planned a load of stuff with my son we went to the cinema I think we went and watched an ice hockey game and yeah. might have gone bowling and, and I just thought I just need to fill those evenings doing it with a different pattern to what distract, I normally do distract yeah. distract yeah and I just I, I knew the danger times it was 7 p.m till about 10 p.m and I thought well if we're out at the cinema or if we're busy doing something yeah. I'm gonna get through it and then before I knew it it was Sunday morning I felt about 10 foot tall because I was so proud of getting through that those the Friday and the Saturday and then after that the next one did they felt easier yeah for sure so but and the other thing to do as well if if you're you're obviously in the be sober program and the facebook group is to post in there on the days that you find it a challenge and know that you've kind of made a commitment to the community people will reach out to you they'll share with you they'll support you so i think using the group for what it's intended for that connection is also important yeah and i have a saturday um, zoom call as well so come join us on the zoom call anyone that's worried about t- turning up to the zoom because loads of people don't are like oh i didn't know what it would be like so i've been kind of considering it for weeks or months and now i'm here i'm really glad i did it is just a safe space judgment free shame free you can yeah. share your successes your struggles you can get advice from people who are way down the road or even people that haven't yet got to day one there is everybody has something to share and to inspire others with um, for the ones that haven't yet got to day one it reminds the people on day 1001 why they don't want to go back to that and for the people vice versa like there's something inspiring in people who've got much more experience under their belt so yeah. do come along and try them yeah they are very very powerful and I've known a lot of people where they have been the, the real catalyst for lasting change yeah. Um, and yeah if you're part of the program you just need to look in the Facebook group and they're, they're all listed under the event section. Um, Lisa said, as soon as I made that decision to quit, I told all my family and friends that I'd quit. No one seemed to question me about it. In fact, they were really pleased and very supportive. Um, and as far as the general public, I came out on my Facebook rather, rather by accident, but everyone that responded to me was so supportive. Well, you do get those people as well. And I speak, uh, my friend Kate as well has said that when she came out uh, as not drinking, there were people that were like, oh, thank Christ. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it was about time. There are people who 
kind of look from afar and go, okay, that makes complete sense that you need to take, you needed to take a break from alcohol. But my thing is always still, I don't drink right now. I don't like to put that pressure on myself. I don't like to be up for judgment from anybody. Like I'm choosing not to drink right now. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't think that I will drink in the future because being through what I've been through, I can't see that I would want to change that. But right now I'm not drinking. Yeah. And I think that's a, good mindset around it all um I, I would say i'm the same i mean i have no intention of ever drinking again but i'm you know yeah it's impossible to say i haven't got a crystal ball i know no. what my intention is yeah. i remember when i told my mum that i'd stopped drinking and she said to me well how much were you drinking and i said well and i played it down a bit like a bottle of wine a day and oh simon you weren't were you and then i thought oh, i'm gonna throw a bit of fuel on the fire i said sometimes it was two no it wasn't was it well and then she said well you've done the right thing then absolutely well done mum <laughs> yeah she but she she's quite an anxious individual so the slightest sign that oh hang on something's not right here she's like panicking about it yeah absolutely and it, I mean other people will have fear around the same as we have fear about quitting alcohol other your family and friends will also have fear about you quitting alcohol so it's interesting to talk through those with people like what are you afraid of are you afraid that I'm going to change or I'm not going to want to come out with you uh, because that's not true I still want to connect with you and talk those through with people but do it when you're both sober <laughs> don't drink yeah, do yeah. one of you's have a drink and it's like oh, I wish you'd still drink you're no fun anymore that's not when you want to do it um, but they'll have that fear that oh you're not going to be any fun anymore and it comes back to that question. I always ask what's at risk, you know, and the, the person you're telling, let's say it's your partner, you know, they might they might think, well, what does this mean for me? Yeah. Uh, exactly like you just said. And, and then there's the stuff they might feel uncomfortable about talking about. They might think, well, you know, what does this mean for our sex life? You know, yeah. a lot of people use alcohol to loosen up, to drop yeah. their inhibitions. Uh, and I think it really is important to communicate that because often we think our partners are mind readers. We expect a certain level of support but I can see how a, I'm just sort of putting myself in my wife's position and how it would have been if she'd quit when I was at the height of my drinking I probably whoa hang on a minute you know me 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 what yeah. does this mean for me absolutely absolutely and your friends really are no different like what does this mean for us what does this mean for our relationship yeah. and if they are good friends they will stick around your relationship will adapt it will change it won't be the same drinking relationship but it will change for the better. Um, though some relationships you might find you lose and you have to kind of look in hindsight, how, how good were those relationships? How deep were those relationships? Was it just when you were drinking and were you ever connecting on any kind of level or not? Was it all superficial? You'll lose some of them. I did. I, I know for sure I did, but I'm glad I did. Yeah, but you don't really lose anything. No. If the whole relationship's just about alcohol and meaningless chat then yeah. it's not the end of the world you make so many meaningful friendships when you quit drinking particularly with people in the alcohol-free community it is crazy I always think that if I put a post up on Facebook or Instagram it's immediately my like the sober community the friends that I've built through this that like will comment and say things that just I've never had that connection with people especially with women before I know I always had male friends never female friends and now I have got this true sisterhood of um, people that I've connected yeah, with that which is brilliant Jake said I've told my family about 
coming off alcohol, coming off. That's a good way of putting it. I'm come off alcohol. Tapering. Yeah. But I couldn't tell my mates as I'd probably get laughed at. I definitely would not post it on social media. You will do. I think at some point you kind of, you become sober and proud and like stand up and you just love it so much. Strangely enough, the men that I've spoken to are the ones that are more prone to peer pressure. The women tend to, you know, slightly more sensitive and can understand why other women want to feel good. Men don't necessarily have that insight and will tend to take the piss a lot more. Yeah. And, and you know, guy, well, guys and women you know, can be a bit like kids, can be yeah. spiteful and mean at times. And, you know, there would be nothing worse than being laughed at by three or four guys who think you're you know less than because yeah. you don't drink even though that's not the case no. but no. I think yeah what you say Ellen's right uh, there will come a time where either it will just become a natural thing where your friends will just realize that oh he doesn't drink anymore and yeah. look at him he looks 10 years younger and yeah. he's you know he's fitter healthier calmer all the rest of it and they'll wonder how you did it Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is why connecting with other sober people is so important, because when you find people who love their sobriety and live their sobriety, then that shame dies. We're almost ashamed to start off with like, oh, yeah, I don't drink anymore, like timid about it. But that feeling, that kind of empowerment grows and grows and grows. And especially when you're surrounded by other people who are living it and then eventually you're like sober and proud. I, I think you've called it liquid vegan, haven't you? How do yeah. you know a vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. It's the same about my sobriety. I'm like, I will tell the world. <laughs> I want everybody to know this is the key to change. Yeah, and there's no shame in it whatsoever. No. Um, Rachel said, my mum died 35 years ago and I numbed myself with alcohol. My dad died last week and I'm determined to fully experience my grief this time. Yeah, now I've got experience with that. I lost my dad 23 years ago and drank my way through it. Um, I was only 19 and thought that I dealt with it. It was only when I gave up alcohol, I realized that I hadn't grieved for him. Um, And you have that arrested development of feelings. And when you give up, you do start to feel all of these things, despite it being like a 20 year gap. And then I lost my nan last year and it was a completely different process of grieving, being able to sit and hold space for my emotions, for my sadness um and for my grief and then and with the kids say like no I'm not okay today this is what I'm going through but I will be okay and same from the end of my marriage there's a process of grief going there and and doing it all sober and quitting drinking is like yeah, grieving exactly the same. and obviously Rachel you know things must be pretty raw for you at the moment and you know obviously sending I, you love think, yeah sending love over as well yeah. but that alcohol stops you from grieving i've worked with a lot of people where they've experienced um, a loss over the years and and when we really get into it and we explore whether they've ever truly grieved it generally they've just internalized it like yeah numbed it out and and the grief lives within you're doing the right thing you like ellen said it it doesn't mean it's easy but just allowing to be with your emotions to move through those different stages until you reach a place of acceptance and it takes different time and it's a different journey for everybody but alcohol just keeps you stuck and that grief lives in you like a kind of darkness i guess that you carry yeah absolutely and just remember you can do hard things like grief is really hard losing someone you love is very very hard but you can do hard things and you can get through this yeah totally um 
another comment i can't get past two days at the moment and i'm so ill because of drinking but it's the only thing that makes me feel better all i have is a beer to make me feel happy and then there's a sad face is it i would question that i would really question is the beer really making you happy is it the only thing that makes you feel better yeah and i mean it, it is i mean it there's it, almost a contradiction in the comment that you know basically is saying you know my life isn't very good at the moment i'm ill i'm not a happy person but beer is the only thing that makes me happy and actually that is a false belief a limiting belief that's holding you back have you ever tried 30 or 60 days without alcohol and measured how much happier you feel i, I I'm guessing possibly not. And I think you owe it to yourself to do that experiment to find out whether life is better without booze, because I think it will be. Yeah, 100%. And I would start with the 10 days, start with getting that first weekend, the second weekend under your belt, connect with some sober groups, find people that are that much further ahead in their journey and someone that you aspire to be like and, and ask them how they did it, like connect with people it is possible it feels daunting to start off with but the feeling that you get as you go along on this journey will make it worth it alcohol will always be there if you decide it's not worth it worth it and you're actually unhappier alcohol is always there to go back to but just use it as an experiment 10 days 30 days and you're on this podcast you're you know you're listening in you're live on youtube while we're streaming it so there's clearly some kind of questioning going on and you're wondering about that relationship you know, for a long period in both mine and ellen's lives we had what we thought was a healthy happy relationship with alcohol and then it turned sour as it does for almost everybody and it's just that point where you reach a place of accepting that the relationships become toxic yeah. alcohol is no longer serving you and it's time to make a change it's how yeah. long you want to stay in that place for and it is proven like you're in the contemplation stage you're you've gone past the pre-contemplation stage you are questioning is this right for me like is it serving me any longer there is no going back to that ignorance is bliss from now on every time you drink you're not going to find the same joy in it as you used to um, but as Simon says, it can keep you stuck. Like if you don't start to connect and start to do the work to take you on to that next stage. Yeah, exactly. It's a, the, the most I've gone is two weeks in 25 years. I actually think I had, I, I, I don't think I had more than two days in 25 years where I didn't drink. And that's the so, honest truth. Yeah. I, apart from my pregnancies and my third pregnancy, I drank. Um, not like I was drinking, you know, not during the pregnancies, but I didn't stop completely. But otherwise there was very, uh, yeah. Once I started to think this is no longer serving me, I had some longer yeah. stints, but that still, it took me three or four years before it stuck. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you're doing better than me I yeah. mean, than I was doing. So that's, um, and, and you think do... <laughs> we look for a look at Judy, who was that much further along, who had how many years, something like 45 40 years, odd years, 40 yeah. years of drinking. It is completely possible to drink, uh, to change your drinking habits after that time. The one thing that's important to know, though, is once you've moved to that place where you're questioning the relationship, as Ellen said, you can't go back to ignorant bliss. The only way out is through. You've got to go through those stages of educating yourself, learning about why an alcohol life, free life is superior, how to do it, what support you need. So education, then you've got to start putting it into practice, getting out into the world and experiencing it without alcohol. And then eventually you do get to a stage once the more you practice, the more your beliefs change, 
and then you start to master it you stop thinking about it it just is often it's just getting through that first week or two it is and you choose your hard like the first week first 10 days is going to be hard but staying stuck in this cycle that you're in at the moment is also hard so you do you know okay first 10 days of sobriety is going to be hard but after that it is going to be so worth it you're going to be like woohoo but if you stay stuck in this cycle you've got the next however many years of of a hard cycle yeah and imagine if you like lived your whole life never having a proper break from alcohol never knowing is it better could it yeah was it better i never knew i just stayed stuck in that cycle we owe it to ourselves to find out why would you not? So Jake said, when I go to Sainsbury's to do my shopping tomorrow, instead of buying alcohol for the weekend, I'm going to post a picture in the Facebook group of me giving the alcohol the middle finger, which Love is it. brilliant. He <laughs> said, if you will allow that. me to do that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> post it in there. I want to tag me in it. I want to yeah. see it. Put yeah. it on Instagram as well. And we tag want to see both. you. Like, please post it in the group. Like, made it to day three, day four, day five. You will have nothing but love and support. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. Good on you, Jake. I think that, <laughs> yeah. and that's a really sound mindset you've got there. You know, you're moving over, I can tell, to really embracing what this is all about and you know, making it fun as well. Live, living an alcohol-free life should be more fun than when we were drinking. And yeah. it, it's not all about being serious and boring and talking about difficult and uncomfortable topics. There's another great Facebook group um, called The Sober Punks, who I, I don't know if you follow them, Simon, yeah. but really, really great sense of humour on there. So anyone that finds that maybe AA is not the place and yeah the more serious ones sober punks go and have a look at them yeah I think a guy called Jonathan runs it and uh, I, I did a zoom call with him a couple of years ago and uh, I it's not for everybody's liking because there's a lot of swearing involved there is a lot of swearing it's completely my place <laughs> yeah. I swear like a sailor <laughs> Lisa said, I think that when quitting, we have to believe we can do it. Yes, there will be a few days of discomfort, but all in all, you will feel much better than if you were drinking. That's so true. Yeah. And if we can do it, anybody can do it. There is, I mean, we're quite special, but there is nothing special about us. Is there like when it comes to sobriety, we were exactly the same. I loved, I loved the drinking version of me. I really did. Um, But I just started to know better and I started to educate myself. And now I really, truly love this version of me and I get to show up authentically to people and connect with people. And I feel so much better about myself. It's like, why would you not want that? Exactly. And as adults, I think it's our job to constantly evaluate what in our life is serving us. Yeah, we've all changed habits and things that we do over time, everything from what we eat to what we wear to yep. exercise to work. Yeah, and there comes a time, just, just like a job you've been stuck in, in a rut for a long time, where you think, do you know what? It is time to move on from this. It's not serving me. It's not doing me any good. Right. It's affecting my mental health and whatever else. And I want to earn more money. I want to feel happier. Yeah. Uh, not that money leads to happiness, by the way, but that's another topic. Uh, but it is. It's just about evaluating what is serving you. What's ad- what's adding to your life? What's aligning with your values, which we talked about previously? Yeah, yeah. And um uh, yes it's the same as any behavior change and I think once you have embraced sobriety you will constantly be updating that you'll be looking at other things other ways to improve yourself that's the really exciting thing about sobriety is it just leads to so much more in the way of self-development uh, you're not depriving yourself of anything you're just opening up this whole new world of freedom and empowerment 
what's not to love. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the big thing for me was after I quit drinking, sort of six to eight months, I just, I was so much more aware of how I was feeling. And I recognized that there was this kind of emptiness within myself. Yeah which probably I was filling with wine before. And then I started like exploring it and thinking, okay, well, what's going on here? And then that led me on the journey of recognizing that I'd had quite a traumatic childhood, which I'd never even thought about before. Then I was able to do some therapy and the work necessary. And then I ended up writing a book about it. You know, (laughs) that's a whole nother story. (laughs) Um, Lisa said, I was a very heavy drinker for more than 40 years. And yes, if I can do it, anyone can. Those of you who are new to Simon's group and Simon and Ellen's coaching, you have found the gold. Welcome. I love Lisa, that. we love you lisa's coming to visit me i think <laughs> yeah well we've got a social event in september and i think lisa's coming over to that as well Yay. in the uk you should come to that jump I on should. a plane yeah i will do actually when is it uh september the 10th okay i'll be there there we go you heard it here yeah. first okay we better wrap up so that's a, another episode of our awesome podcast done and we'll do i take it we'll be streaming it live on youtube again next week will we oh, i think so So look forward to seeing you all there.